0: Have you ever wondered why we hear so seldomly a message about the imminent return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, much less to be in a state of readiness always as we look for the return of Jesus, which is the very blessed hope, the very blessed hope, the scripture says in Titus 2, verse 13. Yet we hear, seldom hear a message on the return of Jesus, which is said to be the most frequently appearing doctrinal truth in all the New Testament, one in every 25 verses, we find the return of Christ spoken about in Holy Scripture. Jesus says in Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I come as a Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus said, Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man, cometh in an hour when you think not. Luke chapter 12, verse 40. There are so many times that Jesus and his apostles in the 27 glorious books of the New Testament speak of the one who came born of a virgin, the only begotten Son of God, lived the perfect life, showed us the Father, died on the cross, the reason, the central reason why he came, to, he died in our place for our sins. Behold, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin, not from their loneliness or to help them cope and all of these other things that have replaced the preaching of sin as the central reason Jesus came. That's Matthew 1 Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from what? Their sin. That that which separates them from a holy God. Also John chapter one verse twenty nine, John the Baptist, when he saw Christ coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. There it is again. First Timothy one fifteen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So Jesus, who came and died for us to save sinners, is coming back soon. And believers are commanded to look fervently for his soon return and to remain in a state of readiness. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man, cometh in an hour when ye think not. Luke 12, 40. And so, again, have you stopped to ponder? You see, friends, it's not only what a ministry or man is preaching. It's what they're not preaching that could be even more deadly. Let's face it, if we're not hearing and relishing the truth of the return of Jesus, we're not in a state of readiness. Am I speaking out of turn here? Is that just me? If I'm not beholding the words and the warnings of Christ and his apostles, am I being quickened toward and to be ready for his soon return, looking for him to appear? No. In fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage. Of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her, that is, those who made themselves ready, and therefore were the bride of Christ, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So notice, his wife hath made herself ready. Where is the call of God's people? To make ready a people to meet the Lord, to be ready to be with him forever. Notice the message of John the Baptist and his calling, which is the church's calling. Uh, John the Baptist announced the first coming of the Lord, the Messiah. And we, even so, we are to be announcing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the return of Christ. Notice Luke 117, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the Now, how many men in ministry do you know who are fervently praying and preaching and laboring before the Lord to make ready a people prepared for the Lord? Now, I'm going to tell you right now that as many men as you know in ministry who fit that description, who labor to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, that's how many men you know who aren't wolves but are genuine servants of the Lord, right? As many men as you know, let me repeat, the men you know in ministry, and I tell you, I hope it's a lot of them. For me, I don't know many of them, but maybe I live in a corner or something. Maybe you guys are exposed to some authentic under shepherds. But as many men that you know in Christian ministry leadership, and that means they're there to serve God and people that are preparing a people for the Lord, for the Lord's return. That's how many men you know who are genuine servants of the Lord and are not wolves. Now, have you ever wondered why we don't hear more warning and more ministry messages about being ready for the return of the Lord when there's so much said in the New Testament about it? The reason why these wolves seldom mention Christ's return is because they want their audiences focused on helping them build their own earthly kingdom using the name of the Lord in vain to do so. You see, their God is their belly. They mind earthly things, Philippians 3, 18 and 19. You know, you know a wolf when he speaks things and verses to make you loyal to the the church business that he's running. But he never mentions that Jesus requires that if you're going to follow him, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, Luke 9, 23 and 24. 24, uh, Matthew 16, 24 and 25, etc. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus gave us this message that you, if you're going to follow him, he didn't say go join a church. You're already a part of the church if you're born again. You don't need to join a church. That's another scam that these hirelings are running. Look up the church membership category on safeguardyoursoul.com. I encourage you to put your seatbelt on before you go to that category. It's got sacred cows laying dead everywhere. We've been sold into a system you see, and we've been incapacitated from truly in an organic fashion, out of sincere hearts, serving the Lord, because the message of Christ has been so hidden and covered over and tainted by these wolves that we've been so often warned about by Christ and his apostles. Notice in Luke 21, Jesus is speaking of his return. Now, this is, again, this is yet another passage that you're never going to hear in the modern church. You certainly aren't going to hear it from the King James Bible. You're Going to hear it from some little watered-down fake news Bible that these guys have pawned on people and gullible dupes just eat it up I mean you know they don't care they don't have any conviction that this is just a storybook it's not the real bible uh, recently we did a message I want to encourage you to listen to it and it draws the comparison speaking of bible versions between those fake news Bibles that in John 316 say that Jesus is the one and only son instead of the only begotten son which is what the King James Bible, the real Bible says, the original Greek does also. That's an essential doctrine of the Christian faith. That's just one of many examples. Now, I'm going to try to stay on point here, but I do encourage you, beloved, to get yourself a real Bible, to have a bonfire and burn or rip up Satan's counterfeits. Notice Luke 21, 34 through 36. Jesus says this concerning his return and being ready for it. He says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time, in other words, Take heed to yourself. You have a personal responsibility. But so many want to be led by their pastor. They don't want to have a real life with Christ themselves, where they diligently seek the face of the Lord, learning to deny themselves. Confess their sins. Take up the cross and follow Jesus and live a life that's repentant, if you will, continually seeking the Lord, fasting, praying, and looking with great joy for the return of the bridegroom. And he is coming for those that are looking for him. Hebrews 9:28. Are you, beloved, looking for him? Or have you been covered over and sown into a life of, uh, or sold into a life of lukewarmness, thinking that somehow going to church on Sunday actually takes the place of a real walk with Christ? That right there would account for over 90%, in my estimation, of those who claim to be Christians in America. Now, a lot of them aren't even born again, so they're not Christians at all. But Of the ones that have been born again, Satan has done his work to put them into a lukewarm state of somehow believing that church attendance is what God requires of them, and that's the extent of their so-called Christianity. That is absolutely tragic, and it spells one thing, apostasy, Ichabod. But you, my friend, are listening to this message by no accident. God is calling you to get before him, to come unto me, Jesus said, to come to him, to get alone with him, and to talk to him, and to... Repent. That means to turn back to him and confess openly your sins before him. You have not put him first, that you've had idols of the heart and have committed spiritual adultery on him by removing the affections of your heart away from him and onto anything else. So Jesus says concerning his return and being ready for it, Luke 21, 34 through 36. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. That means weighed down with surfeiting, overindulgence, overeat, and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare or a trap shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. That is a severe, specific warning about the return of Christ. And again, have you wondered why we seldom, if ever, hear this message? These words of Christ spoken or preached or tended to even a little bit in the modern church. Now, they should be tended to on a regular basis. Every message should include something about the soon return of Jesus and making people ready for his return. Notice Paul, the apostle of Christ, Paul, chapter one of Colossians, speaking of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Chapter one, verse 28, he says, whom we preach, that is Christ. We preach Christ, second Corinthians four, five we preach Christ, most of the people in leadership today in the modern apostate church world are really preaching themselves, their own ministries. They're, they do everything to raise money for this next project, you know, that's what it's all about. They're not raising money in most cases to support other ministry works, to spread servant elders across the earth or to feed the poor, the Christian poor, but they're building this next building. I mean, recently I heard of a $4 million building addition to, to some church. Some church has already got mall tens of millions of dollars in, in property. Don't even think that that would be Jesus doing that. Jesus and his apostles never raised one red cent to build a physical building. They went to the people. Notice Colossians 128, Paul says, Whom we preach, Jesus, that is, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. So Paul's goal that he strive for, notice verse 29, Where to I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. In other words, the working of the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost in Paul, worked mightily in him. To do what? To warn every man. If he's not warning, he doesn't care. You see, Jesus and his apostles warned over and over about false prophets. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, 11. We're talking about, in the context of this message, how everyone that's not warning others and preparing them for the return of Christ is absolutely misleading them and is a deceiver. So Paul said the Holy Ghost worked in, in him to preach Christ, to warn every man, to teach them and In all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. We call this the PWT verse. Preach, warn, teach. It's all right there in the first line. Preach, warning, every man and teaching. That's the summation of a true under shepherd. He fervently preaches. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost, given over to Christ in the daily cross, to preach Christ, to warn men that Christ is coming and to be ready and to beware of false prophets, and teaching them the word of God in all wisdom. That's colossal. Colossians 128 in the surrounding text. I want to encourage you to make that a matter of prayerful study. Also, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, the great apostle Paul warns, he says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, which promises? Well, the ones that he spoke of preceding chapter 7, verse 1, about coming out from among them and being ye separate, beginning in verse 14 of the sixth chapter, to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, to understand that you cannot be yoked with Christ and Belial, who is Satan. You cannot have an agreement with idols if you're the temple of God. And it's only then that you meet these conditions, yes, condition, God requires it of you and he gave you the grace to do it. And if you refuse, it's out of pure rebellion and you will be damned irrevocably. It's only then, if you meet these conditions that God will be a father unto you, verse 18, and you shall be his sons and daughters. Then he says in the next words, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filth, not just some, but all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice it is, you know, Jesus is coming back for those who are holy before him. Remember, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. Then he speaks about fornication in verse 15. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Jesus is coming back for a people without spot or blemish or any such thing, but a people that is holy before him. Ephesians 5, 25-27 Again, Hebrews 12, 14 Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. How is it that we could call ourselves deceitfully and dishonestly, true under-shepherds, and we're not preaching holiness, much less to perfect holiness in the fear of God? Second Corinthians 7, 1 Wow, perfecting holiness. So Paul says, that having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from not some. Don't dabble with sin. No amount of sin is good in the eye of God. So let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're not even preaching holiness, much less perfecting it. But do you see what state the professing modern church is in, my friend? It's not a good state as far as the visible professing modern church. And that's why so many people have come out from among them to be separate before the Lord, to relinquish all idols. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, we read how Isaiah was commissioned by God to cry aloud, and to spare not, to lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. That's what a true under-shepherd of the Lord will do, because he's trying to help God's people, and first of all, he's doing it at the command of God. If you're not warning people and calling them to repentance, then you're out of the will of God. You're completely departed from the Lord in the first place. But you're giving them the command of God. This is not your command or mine. This is God. And if you're walking with him, you're preaching the gospel that Jesus and the apostles preached. It's one thing to preach the gospel or claim you do. And another thing to preach the gospel Jesus preached and the gospel his apostles preached It's a vast difference. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob their sins. In this chapter, he speaks of fasting and praying, and how God can will break every yoke in your life. Some people listening to me may feel like they're exhausted trying to overcome sin. They're they've given up. They don't think it's possible, but it is possible. It's not God's fault. It's always our fault. So that so when we submit ourselves therefore to God, we can resist the devil and the temptation, and those things have to flee from us. James chapter four verse seven and verse eight says, "Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. you. see, it's never God's fault. He expects us to do the things he commanded, including be holy, for I am holy in light of his soon return. But you see, this sin has caused us to be weakened and unable to stand before our enemies. Our enemies include these sins that have stolen good things from us. Jeremiah chapter 5 speaks about how we have been robbed. We've allowed ourselves to be robbed. Your iniquities have turned away these things, these black and your sins have withholding good things from you. Jeremiah 5, 25. Notice in Joshua 7, 12, when God's people had sinned against him, it says, therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies. They were running, afraid, scared. Some of us listening feel overwhelmed by things you've not been able to overcome, but God wants to call you to repentance, to truly come to him and relinquish all idols. Anything that's before him as an idol. Some people like to cling to their religion, their church, their pastor. They're not willing to give up those things for Christ because those things are are more important at this point to them. And so they prove that they have hearts that are full of spiritual adultery and idolatry, and God will not accept them or share his glory until they're ready to give it all up. Whosoever he be, that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. That's what it says in Luke, I believe it's chapter 14, verse 33. You've got to be willing to give up everything for Christ, or he's not your first love and you don't know him. Jesus said, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, this is the cost of discipleship. In Luke 14, Jesus says, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, if any man will come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. See, any man that does not consider Jesus, more important than any and everything and everyone, including and in beginning with himself, cannot be his disciple. This isn't going to change. This is non-negotiable truth. It doesn't matter that the pawns we call pastors never ever tend to this gospel message right here in Luke 14. Unbelievable. It doesn't matter. We're still fully accountable. And if we're not obeying Christ in this, we are not building our house on the rock, according to his teachings, Matthew 7, but we're building them on sand and judgment is going to wash our house our foundation away and we're going to be wiped out right into eternal damnation it's going to be too late jesus says to dig deep and found or ground and establish your house upon a rock luke 6 i believe it's 46 349 Notice first 27 Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke fourteen twenty-eight. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet Meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand, or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. What is it that we're not willing to forsake of for the Lord that would keep us from truly knowing Him and being with Him eternally? What is it that's more important to Christ in our life today? Who is it? What is it? God's people, as we read in Joshua seven. 12 we're not able to stand before the people because they they would not destroy the accursed thing, the idolatrous items and heart idols, which is spoken about in Ezekiel 14, 3, the idols of the heart. What is it that we're not willing to give up? Well, for them, they wouldn't repent and therefore they were not able to stand before their enemies, but, but were rather being conquered by their enemies. Is there a sin that's conquering you, my friend? Is there a sin that has dominion over you instead of you having dominion? over yet. If so, it's because true repentance has not been rendered. When you truly repent before the Lord, He is going to give you the grace and He's going to give you His Holy Ghost to break the yokes of the things that have once bound you and to make you free. Whom the Son hath made free, He's free indeed. And if the Son is not making you free, you're not right with Him. You might have been right with Him in the past, but Jesus said to those that believed on Him that they must continue in His Word. Then they would be made free. If they continued in His Word, then and you shall be made free. You be my disciples, and the truth will make you free. The truth alone doesn't make you free. you got to obey the truth, he's saying there. And whom the Son has free. If you're Jesus' child, you're free indeed. You're not bound by sin. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. All things are of God, not of self and sin. Ezekiel 14, 3, as we close. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. Idolatry is a sin of the heart. It's a state of the heart that refuses to relinquish anything that stands in your way before the Lord. Better yet to just turn your life and your heart to the Lord. It's seek the Lord and his strength to seek his face continually. First Chronicles 16 11. Son of man, these men have set up their idols that the children of Israel were idolatrous. Speaking of the elders also, supposed leaders of the people of God. They have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Of course not. And God, again, will not share his glory with any other. It's either all of Christ or none of Christ. One of the places we read that is Isaiah 42 8 I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images or idols. God is jealous. Exodus 34 14 His name is jealous, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous, with the capital J, is a jealous God. To the Ephesians, Jesus told them that they had to repent. That means they were in danger of hellfire. Make no mistake. Revelation 2, 4, and 5, as we close, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from which thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That's what he said in Luke 13. Except you repent, you shall all likewise. Paris. Now let me encourage you, beloved, before the sun goes down today or before the day has expired, if you will, that you will get before the Lord and you will cry out to him. Hosea 14, 1 and 2. Here it is. God gives you specific instructions on how to come before him. And he does want you. He delights in you. He will if you come to him. He does, He's not willing that you would perish. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thy iniquity. Take with you words and turn to to the Lord. Take word. Come before God. Say the things you need to say to God. He already knows them, but you need to speak them. Otherwise, this wouldn't be right here in his word. Also, the New Testament says, confess your sins. Speak them out. And he is faithful and just to forgive your sins if you confess them. If that takes you verbalizing, externalizing that you are sincerely, authentically repenting and confessing your sin. Oh Israel, that means my people, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto Him, Take away all iniquity. In other words, cleanse me, dear Lord, and receive us graciously. So will our, so will we render the calves of our lips, the fruit of our lives. That is, you may want to read Psalm chapter fifty-one, David's Psalm of repentance. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for listening. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered scripture-rich edifying podcast on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world, and may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among His people and through His beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.